Welcome to this episode of SDI Encounters, a podcast from SDI, the home of spiritual companionship. I'm Matt Whitney. Learn more about us and our work on our website, sdicompanions.org. In this special episode of SDI Encounters, Director of Programs and Events, Frederica Helmier, talks with Beth Bartlett about the upcoming course offering from SDI Education, Feminist Perspectives on Spiritual Companionship. This 12-week course is for anyone who offers spiritual companionship to women and anyone who receives spiritual companionship from women. The course begins live on January 27th, 2021, and is also offered on demand. Learn more now by going to our website, sdicompanions.org. I am here this morning with Elizabeth Ann Bartlett, Dr. Beth Bartlett. Beth Bartlett is an educator, an author, activist, and a spiritual companion. She is Professor Emerita of Women, Gender, and Sexuality Studies at the University of Minnesota Duluth, where she helped to co-found the Women's Studies program in the early 80s and taught political and feminist thought, including courses on women, religion, and spirituality for 40 years. Beth also served for many years as the co-facilitator of the Spirituality Task Force of the National Women's Studies Association. She is the author of numerous books and articles, including Journey of the Heart, Spiritual Insights on the Road to a Transplant, Rebellious Feminism, Camus' Epic of Rebellion and Feminist Thought, and Making Waves, Grassroots Feminism in Duluth and Superior. She is trained in both somatic experiencing and indigenous focusing oriented trauma therapy and offers these healing modalities through her spiritual direction practice and more recently through racial healing workshops. Beth has been active in feminist peace and justice, indigenous rights and climate justice movements and has been a committed advocate for the water protectors. And I am here today in conversation with Dr. Beth Bartlett. Also a great joy is that she will be joining me as the co-host for our upcoming SDI course called Feminist Perspectives on Spiritual Companionship and Spiritual Direction. Welcome Beth, I'm delighted to be speaking with you today. Thank you, I'm delighted to be here. I wanted to begin by asking you about these two hats that you have been wearing for quite a while, which is that of an academic and that of a spiritual companion. Can you share a little bit about how those two identities come together and maybe spaces where they stay separate? Sure, it was the academic hat that led me to the other because so much of the work I did, particularly in the course on women and spirituality was in essence group spiritual direction and then of course many many hours in my office with students would extend that into individual types of conversations around that so that in many ways led me to this just the amount of scholarship that I dived into in the process of teaching and research the amazing theologians from various traditions. I taught women and religion across the world religions as well as indigenous religions and 
I mean, I learned so much in the course of that teaching, but also in interacting with students and being in that mutual relationship of what their spiritual struggles were and what their joys were. It was beautiful. I mean, it was always my favorite course to teach. And so in my work as a spiritual companion, what I find, because I do say that specifically that I come to a spiritual direction practice as a feminist and that my spiritual direction practice is feminist, that most of the people who seek me out is for that reason. And most of the people I see are either ministers or spiritual directors or therapists. <laughs> and so it's been an interesting journey that way. And many of them really, really appreciate my academic preparation. And I've been able to draw on a lot of the wonderful authors and the wisdom that I've learned along the way in teaching to find the right books for my directees. I don't have a good word for that. And so many of them appreciate that. And often we will get into conversation about what sparked in them in the books. And so it's often a continuation of that. But I also find that so much of what I learned along the way gives me insight into the kinds of questions and the kinds of leanings I should follow. Thinking about that, Audre Lorde, in many ways, her work is what is at the base of my spiritual direction practice. And she is someone that I encountered first in academia, but her work where she talks about listening to the voice from within as opposed to the voice from without is really at the heart of my spiritual direction and of enabling and facilitating the people who I work with to listen to that voice from within. Well, that feels like a perfect segue to touch together upon one of our presenters in this course. Uh, Pamela Ayo Yatunde has access to some of Audre Lorde's unpublished poems from when she was, I believe, a teenager in the archives at Spelman College. And her session in this course is going to examine the poetry of Audre Lorde and other women poets as a tool to finding wholeness and balance. Io identifies as a Buddhist, and I'm just delighted by this topic. I wonder if you might share a little bit about what you're excited to hear Io speak about in her. Oh, yeah, I was so excited when I read that. I mean, I'm really very much looking forward to that one. As I said, Audre Lorde really speaks to my heart, and I'm just so excited to hear the poems that she has found. And it was such a loss when Audre Lorde died. It was like, we're not going to hear any more from her. And now we will in these unpublished poems. But I'm also very curious what she will do with them and how she draws the wisdom from the poetry. I mean, that's, that's such an important part of Audre Lorde's work in her essay, Poetry is Not a Luxury. I mean, she really talks about how poetry is the expression of the heart and soul of who we are and our deepest political work. So I'm very excited to see what she will do with this. My own spiritual director always begins with a poem as a way to call us into this time together. And it's a tradition that I have carried on. So to have these poems by Audre Lorde and to have them interwoven with an African-American who is Buddhist. I mean, that's, there seems to be more of a tradition of that lately. I know that's true of Bell Hooks. That's true of Alice Walker. 
And so I'm very intrigued with what she will do with them and what approach she will take and just excited to hear them. Earlier, Beth, you described yourself and your work as feminist. And I wonder if we might dig around in that term together a little bit. As I was designing this course, my colleagues and I contemplated a few different words that we might use to describe this line of inquiry and exploration and celebration that we're embarking on. And we talked about, are we interested in feminine perspectives? Are we interested in women's perspectives? Is it feminism? Is it feminist? And we settled on feminist and it has been happily embraced by some of our instructors. And there's been some pushback from others who have said, I'm not actually sure that I identify in this way. And the term is laden, it's complex, it's multi-layered. We're sticking to it, but I'm going to invite all of our presenters to just weigh in on that term and what it means to them. And I wonder if you could share a bit about how you define feminist and what the word means to you. It is a very fraught word. And so when I teach feminist thought, for example, or even the intro to women's studies, it's something we have to begin grappling with. What does this term mean to you? Because it has so many negative connotations that are simply not accurate, (laughs) but we have to get those out. And so I think that's why some people might be reluctant to identify as feminist. We're not angry. We don't hate men, those kinds of things. But Feminism for me is all about love. That's actually the title of Bell Hook's book about feminism and a feminist ethic. And it's very much that for me. But yes, there are so many different meanings of feminism. There are so many different types of feminism. There's liberal feminism, socialist feminism, existentialist feminism, eco-feminism. There's womanism. There's multicultural feminism. There are so many different definitions of feminism. It's hard to discern where exactly I fit, which is part of the reason why I wrote the book Rebellious Feminism, because that is very much my own definition of that. I gathered a few in preparation for this that I think work for me and would work more generally for other people. Rita Gross, perhaps you're familiar with her work. She is, or was, she recently died, a Buddhist feminist scholar, and she called feminism simply the radical notion that women are human beings. And which, yes. And then there's Bell Hooks, who calls feminism a movement to end sexist oppression. That's in one of her earlier works. I think now that would certainly be expanded much more to be a movement to end oppressions of all kinds, either by race, class, ability, sexual orientation. Kathleen Fisher, she wrote The Woman at the Well who is a spiritual director and does her spiritual direction specifically from a feminist perspective, talks about feminism as a vision of life emphasizing inclusion rather than exclusion, connectedness rather than separateness, mutuality in relationship rather than dominance and submission, and the full human development that can only take place in a human community structure in justice and feminism works for social change. That last part really speaks to me because years ago, I dropped saying that I am feminist or identify as feminist and changed it instead to I practice feminism. Because for me, feminism is a way of being in the world. It is an ethic. It has demands that we can't simply say 
that I'm a feminist without acting on it. And for me, that includes such things as speaking out against injustice and oppression, whether against myself or against anyone else. It means affirming solidarity with all other oppressed beings, that it can't simply be my own personal salvation or liberation, that it must extend out to all others. In many ways, it parallels for me the task of the Bodhisattva, that I cannot just claim enlightened for myself. I have to return and work for justice for all. But it also includes friendship, that it's not just about my obligation towards all other beings in the world, which is a huge task, but forgetting the people in my most dear and intimate to me in my life, but also extending to them that kind of support and care and compassion, and then extending out to all beings for me, as I consider myself an eco-feminist, that also includes all other living beings in the world. So that's a little bit But for me, it necessarily includes practice. I love that idea that we might make it a verb. I practice feminism. I do feminism. Yes. Thank you very much as an ethic. So Beth, we spoke earlier about the word feminism. The course is called Feminist Perspectives on Spiritual Companionship and Spiritual Direction. And I wonder if you could speak a little bit about what it means to bring a feminist approach to spiritual companionship. Thanks. That was something I thought about a lot before I began my spiritual direction practice. It was very important to me that it incorporate a feminist perspective. In many ways, to me, the attentive love of spiritual direction comes directly from feminism. It's a term that is used often among feminist writers, which might be something that that surprises people. But Sarah Ruddick, who is a maternalist feminist, talks very much about the role of attentive love in maternal care and in feminism. She got this from Iris Murdoch, who ultimately got it from Simone Weil. And Simone Weil describes love as this intense, pure, disinterested, gratuitous, generous attention. And it seems to me that is the very essence of spiritual companioning. Could you say those words again? Oh, yes, I've done this often with students, too. (laughs) Just sit in the words. Love is intense, pure, disinterested, gratuitous, generous attention. Mm, I love that. Uh, Love. (laughs) I love the definition. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Yes, I love the work of Simone Fay in general. So, yes, to me, that is what we do. Other aspects of a feminist approach to spiritual direction that it's important to recognize oppressions based in gender, race, class, ethnicity, sexual orientation, all of these, and how they impact the people that we work with and to acknowledge them and to struggle with it with them and to basically help them recognize what is pressing in on them is also collectively shared and how they impact a person's spiritual growth is so important. It also affirms the egalitarian nature of the spiritual direction relationship, which is why I think we've moved from the term spiritual director to spiritual companion or spiritual midwife. 
that they're much more egalitarian. It isn't about my directing the person that I'm in conversation with as to where they need to go, but rather that that's a mutual relationship, but also that it honors the voice and wisdom of women. That's very much important to me as, and in helping women give voice to themselves. What I spoke about earlier as the part in Audre Lorde where she speaks about listening to that voice within, that that to me is a, a central part. Again, not to listen to my voice, <laughs> though I might ask the questions that might help them listen to their own voice but to learn their own and their own connection with the divine and the voice of the divine within them. But also that it attends to some of the unique spiritual issues of women, such as the predominance of divinity as male and how that affects women's spiritual sense of themselves, their spiritual journey. And oftentimes that is the journey that I take with women and help them to find a God Who Looks Like Me is the name of one of the books that I draw from. The association of women with sin and evil and women's sexuality and women accepting their own bodies and women accepting their own spirituality and recognizing how their own spirituality is tied up with their sexuality in ways that are good, in ways that are enriching, in ways that are nurturing. Uh, This is such an important piece for the women we are companioning. Historical trauma and physical and spiritual abuse. I'm so glad that your presenters are talking about this because it comes up all too often and is often an impediment to a woman's ability to access her spirit. And so I think that's really, really important. Pregnancy, birth, motherhood, these are such hugely important spiritual aspects of our lives and often not acknowledged as such, but I think they offer some of our deepest spiritual wisdom. And our relationship with the earth, our relationship with nature, our relationship with the moon, all of these also strike me as being very deeply and important spiritual groundings in women's lives. So those are some of the ways I think that a feminist perspective comes into at least my own spiritual companioning. We at SDI are so excited to announce an unprecedented virtual conference for April 2021, which we are calling Renaissance, the meaning of the word being rebirth. This conference is going to be a gigantic sandbox for spiritual companionship and contemplative community. There's no travel cost, no hotel or meal expenses. Attend from your home, participate from anywhere around the world, live or on demand. This promises to be the biggest and most extensive gathering of spiritual companions in SDI's history. Registrations for SDI Renaissance 2021 are now open. Everyone is welcome to attend and be nourished by this conference. Go to sdicompanions.org for the details and registration options. Beth, we've designed this class with those who identify as women in mind and our language around it is, this is for people who are women offering spiritual companionship and those receiving spiritual companionship from women. 
And people who identify as male or men are very welcome. But I think the idea that we have in mind is that there's two co-centric circles. <laughs> and the women are sitting in the chairs in the middle and engaging, and maybe the men are a little bit more on the periphery observing and learning. And that was a model that came out of some work that Seifu, our executive director, has done with the Jerry Institute, the Gender Equity Reconciliation Institute. I don't know if I've got that acronym quite right. And resonated with me as well. But I wonder if you might speak a little bit about what it means to design an offering that is intentionally for a particular demographic that is for women and is not exclusive to men. But what are your thoughts on having something that is primarily for women and men are invited to participate in a more passive way? I think it's very appropriate. The sad truth is <laughs> that generally, there's a lot of sociological studies about this, that most of the times when women and men are present together in an assembly that the women hold back, the men will speak. The men tend to speak first. The men tend to interrupt. And the women become more and more silent. I think you can say the same is true in audiences of or groups of white people and people of color. That there is that sense of entitlement. I just finished reading Isabel Wilkerson's cast. And I think that it very much comes out of that caste system, whether that be by race or whether that be by sex and gender, that it's not even seen. It's not even recognized that this is happening because it's just so normalized that this is your place. And so I think it's important for those who are in positions of privilege to listen to those who are not. And in this particular instance, that being women and men, that strikes me as appropriate. I want to turn back for a moment to our lineup of extraordinary presenters in this course. And maybe we can touch a little bit on what you and I are excited to hear from some of the women. We're going to begin on January the 27th with Dr. Beverly Lanzetta, who is going to speak about women's soul journey and the dark night of the feminine, situating and reclaiming the feminine at a deeper stratum of consciousness. We're going to follow that with Dr. Janet Ruffing, one of the co-founders of SDI, who's going to share a bit about the legacy of women dating all the way back to the early church, looking at some of the desert mothers through modern day leaders and mystics who have shaped this ministry, this craft that we now know as spiritual companionship. And our third week is going to be Pat McCabe, who is also known as Woman Stands Shining. Incidentally, she's our conference ceremonialist for SDI's virtual conference in April. And she and I were brainstorming what to talk about. And we sort of settled on the idea of grandmothers transitioning into grandmotherhood or elderhood for women and the wisdom that women elders or grandmothers are invited to share with the world and the ways in which that wisdom empowers and invites action in a way that other roles in a culture or invitations might not. And so let me just pause there about the first three weeks of this course and invite you to share anything you're really looking forward to for those three. 
So I'll just go in order. The Dark Night of the Feminine is such an important piece. Actually, one of the very first people that I came to work with was struggling with what she had just heard called the Dark Night of the Soul and wondered if I had ever heard of it because nobody she talked to had ever heard of this. And so I think it's really important to talk about this. And I know I had mentioned to you in an earlier conversation that what it reminds me of is the Inanna journey, which is the most ancient recorded story ever discovered. It goes back, I believe, 23,000 years, and it is in cuneiform on a tablet, but it is still so universal. The story of all that she had to divest herself of as she entered into the underworld and and her struggle. And this is the struggle that most of us go through at least once, if not more often in our lives of those depths of soul journey, those depths of despair. And then her story of how she gradually came back to life. But it's important to acknowledge it. I think it's particularly a difficult thing for women to enter because there are so many demands on us in our daily lives. As the mother of young children, you know, to descend into that darkness is difficult. But how do we bring together the descent into the darkness along with the responsibilities in the world? But also, I'm curious to see how she specifically talks about this as the dark night of the feminine and where she goes with that. So I think it's a really important topic. The history of women in spiritual direction, I was fascinated by that. I thought of the mystics, but I hadn't thought of it going back to the fourth century. So I'm very curious to learn about that. And the mystics really called to me, the mystics of the Middle Ages, long, long ago. But I hadn't thought of them as spiritual directors and spiritual companions. I thought of them as artists and visionaries and writers, even though I know Hildegard anyway needed a scribe. But it was very interesting for me to think about them as spiritual companions. I know I was first introduced to this through a woman as a sister in the Benedictine tradition. Um, and they had just picked it up. She talks about how this opened up after Vatican II. And so I'm very curious to hear that history and all she learned about that. And I'm also curious how women have influenced the practice of spiritual direction, how it has changed as women have influenced that and what unique qualities they bring to spiritual direction. And then the women elders... I just am ready to immerse myself in that. There's a group of 13 grandmothers who gather on Madeline Island, which is not far from where I live, and cast their wisdom into the waters and work to heal the waters, which is so important at this time. And I first came across the notion of the importance of grandmotherhood from Raina Green, who was a Native woman who was the director of the Smithsonian and talked about how her resume means nothing in her world. What matters is that she is a grandmother. And so I've been contemplating that ever since then. And that was 30 some years ago that I first heard her speak about that. But I have been privileged to listen to and learn from Indigenous elders And it's been some of the most moving and honoring experiences of my life. So I'm just very eager to hear what she has to say. (laughs) 
I think I should have known better than to imagine that we could gloss over any of these presented. <laughs> yes. Because each one has something so rich and inviting to dwell on. This course is continuing with a really very juicy and exciting lineup of presenters. We are going to have Sandra Smith, who is based in North Carolina and is an expert on the Enneagram, talking about how the Enneagram is a tool that can help women practice self-definition in a world that often wants to project definitions onto us. And I'm very much looking forward to that. We spoke earlier in this conversation about Pamela Ayoyatunde, who is going to be speaking about poetry by women as a spiritual tool for wholeness. Our sixth session is Diane Millis, who has offered many, many workshops for SDI and always draws a crowd, hearing to speech and exploration of women's spiritual friendship, which I'm really excited to dig into. We then have a woman based in the UK who is somewhat new to our community at SDI. Her name is Jess Fear Kaur Rababan, and she's a Sikh woman. And I had the privilege of speaking with Jesvir a few times in preparation for this course. And she is a deep soul and an accomplished musician who has done a lot of work with women in using music as a tool to healing and in particular healing from spiritual traumas or traumas that have taken place in spiritual settings. So we'll be joined by Jesvir on the seventh week the eighth session is Jocelyn Burkhart, who is going to join us to do something around shadow work and the way that femininity and masculinity can both be toxic. And then I'm really delighted to get to work with a friend and former classmate of mine from Yale Divinity School, LaVon Proverbs Briggs, who is a really exquisite human being and full of this wonderful energy. And she's going to be speaking about a very heavy but important topic, which is male sexual violence and how that might show up in spiritual companionship spaces and how women's spiritual companions can address it or acknowledge it and acknowledge the wounds that we all may carry on this topic. And then I'm we have our final session before we do a bit of a wrap up and actually we have a surprise as well but we have karen ehrlichman coming back to speak on journeys of liberation for women we're still clarifying that topic beth it's such a rich lineup and i know we could speak about every single one of these at length and what we're excited about but are there one or two that you are particularly looking forward to or questions you're excited to ask these women in the sessions there are <laughs> yes the hearing to speech is dear to my heart. I mean, now Morton's work is, but it also harkens back to my time facilitating feminist consciousness raising groups, because it was in one of those that now Morton realized that she had been heard in the speech. And that was my experience as a facilitator as well. And I think that's very much the role of a spiritual companion working with women is hearing, listening, that attentive love that is such a grounding of what we do to listen to them well enough that they can listen to their own voice. But also the topic of feminist friendship and female friendship, which so often comes up, at least in my spiritual companioning. Two of these deal with trauma, and that's a topic that I am clearly very 
interested in and have worked on training in the one dealing with male sexual violence. It is unfortunately one topic that comes often in my spiritual companioning, both from women and men, actually. And so it's so important that we know how to listen to that and how to respond and how to hold space for that. And so I'm also very excited to hear about guiding women to healing through sacred music. In one of the trauma therapies that I'm trained in, what comes up often is that humming and singing and movement are so important to that healing. So I'm very curious to hear how she brings that into a spiritual companioning practice. And then finally, the shadow work with toxic femininity and toxic masculinity. I've been thinking about that a lot in the past couple of days. It seems that both of those are very much at work in the world right now. And we so much need the healing presence of the feminine divine, and but also need to be able to work with that shadow energy in ourselves so that we don't spread it out into the world. So again, it will be a wonderful offering and a very important one. Thank you. Every time that I sit with what is coming our way in this course, I feel like it's just this feast. It's like this banquet table and each week we get to come to it and pick up a new dish. And there are so many topics and approaches that we won't be able to address specifically in this course, but that we could because the banquet table is so vast. But I'm delighted that we can come together as a community of women, spiritual companions, once a week and sort of feast together. And I found myself gravitating towards some words to describe this course that are a little bit more celebratory, that are a little bit joyful. And I'm excited to make room for that. I imagine us laughing a lot together. I imagine us appreciating and celebrating a lot of richness that shows up when women companion others along the spiritual journey. So yes, I wanted to share that. I smile when I think about this course and what we'll get to do together. Oh, I think it should be very fun <laughs> and exciting and absolutely joyful. I know so much in my own spiritual companioning that we will be talking about the heaviest of subjects and all of a sudden find ourselves laughing. <laughs> so yes, this, and I think it's just so needed right now. So thank you for offering this. It is indeed a feast. Yeah. yeah. So for folks who are interested, the course is called Feminist Perspectives on Spiritual Companionship and Direction. It runs from January 27th through April 14th, so it's 12 weeks. You do not have to be present for the sessions, which will be on Wednesdays from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Pacific time or noon to 2 p.m. if you're on the East Coast and you can calculate the other time zones in between. But we will always send out the recording each week and we just invite you to come and feast on a course that I really hope will enrich your work as a spiritual companion and bring you together in community with other women who are celebrating, exploring, grappling recognizing the challenges, recognizing the opportunities of the spiritual journey through the lens of our gender identity. Any final thoughts, Beth, for our listeners? I'm just very delighted and honored to be a part of this, and I look forward to the wisdom and the conversations. Thank you. I'm really looking forward to holding the space with you and learning more about your story and your work as we engage with these presenters. It's quite mutual. Thank you. 
If you're enjoying this podcast and you want to help us share and spread the word about the life-giving practice of spiritual companionship, you can help us out by subscribing to this podcast through your favorite app. You could give us a like or even write us a review. Thank you for listening. This is Matt Whitney with Spiritual Directors International. Thanks again for listening. Your time and your presence here are deeply appreciated. If you liked this show and would like us to continue making them, please do subscribe now while it's fresh on your mind. Also, we would love to hear from you, so please feel free to send in your comments and suggestions to the email address podcast at sdiworld.org. SDI is the home of spiritual companionship. Learn more about us and our work on our website, sdicompanions.org.